Welcome to the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. I'm Robert Peterson, and I'm here to tell you about some of Bakersfield's most notorious crimes, events, and characters that have made an impact on the Central California Valley community. Are you ready to hear a notorious Bakersfield story? Good. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 14th episode of the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. Hey, we hit a milestone. Now that we're in September, we are entering the fourth month of podcasting. So that's an interesting milestone. I hope everyone had a wonderful Labor Day weekend. I know I certainly did. I bet I spent it working on this story that I'm about to tell you. So remember to subscribe to the Notorious Bakersfield podcast on your favorite podcast app. Um, I want to give you a heads up about or a little bit more information about the Halloween tour. Um, it's a self-paced audio tour, driving tour. Um, you can load your friends and family into the car and drive them to locations to some of Bakersfield's uh, haunting crime scenes. At each location, I'll tell the story behind the crime that happened there. In keeping with the Halloween spirit, I'll include some of Bakersfield's purported haunted locations. All you'll need is a car, of course, a smartphone, Google Maps, and probably best to have a Bluetooth speaker of some sort. The tour will be available for purchase on October 1st and will run through the entire month through to Halloween. Um, it will be a spooky good time. If you'd like to be notified as soon as this tour is available for purchase, email me at NotoriousBakersfield at gmail.com. There's no space between Notorious and Bakersfield. It's all one word. Also, put Halloween in the subject line, and I'll put you on the email list. So with that, let's jump right into this week's story. Ralph Smith Jr. was a prominent Bakersfield home builder, real estate developer, and broker. He built many of the homes in Bakersfield's now well-established neighborhoods. In 1966, he and his family were living at 275 Panorama Drive, a home Ralph built specifically for his family. It was at this home on September 8, 1966, where Ralph Smith, his wife Edna, and son William were the victims of a home invasion that shocked not only their neighborhood, but all of Bakersfield. Ralph Smith Jr. made his mark on Bakersfield that is still evident today. Homes built by the real estate developer are sprinkled throughout some of Bakersfield's oldest and well-established neighborhoods. He built primarily single-family homes, but he played a role in other projects as well. Memorial Hospital is the most recognizable example of that. In 1951, when a group of doctors and business leaders wanted to establish a new hospital in Bakersfield, they turned to Ralph Smith for the construction of Memorial Hospital of Greater Bakersfield. He became known as the grandfather of Memorial Hospital. When construction began on Bakersfield College's new campus in Northeast Bakersfield, Ralph Smith and several other real estate developers saw opportunity in the foothills in Northeast Bakersfield. Ralph, along with fellow developers Pat Paola and Joe Gannon, began building housing tracks and shopping centers on the vacant land surrounding the new college campus. 
In keeping with the theme of education, they named many of the streets in these tracks after institutions of higher learning. Berkeley, Baylor, Occidental, Duke, Princeton, just to name a few of the streets. That's how this area of Bakersfield became known as College Heights. In the early 1960s, Ralph built his family's residence at 275 Panorama Drive, overlooking the Panorama Bluffs. So not only did he build many of the homes in the neighborhood, he also lived in the neighborhood. Ralph Smith Jr. was a name almost everyone in Bakersfield recognized and was familiar with. Late in the afternoon of September 8, 1966, around 4 p.m., Ralph's wife, Edna, was home alone. She was getting things ready for dinner. She was expecting her husband to get home from work soon, and their 23-year-old son, William, was going to drop in to join them. Edna, expecting the two at any time, would periodically glance out the front window that looked out onto Panorama Drive. That's when she noticed a car slowly driving by. The car turned around and pulled into the home's driveway. Three people from inside the car got out and started walking up to the front door. From her vantage point, looking out the window to the driveway, Edna didn't recognize the three people walking up to her house. She thought they could possibly be looking for directions to a neighbor's home. What she didn't know was that two of the three were escaped convicts from Indiana. They were Robert Perry Ferger, 24, and William Henry Tudor, also 24. The third person was Froger's wife, 23-year-old Sylvia Froger. Edna went to the front door to greet the three strangers. As soon as she cracked the door open, the trio rushed the door. Brandishing handguns and overpowering Edna, they forced their way into the Smith home. They were there to rob the Smiths. While one of the intruders held Edna at gunpoint, the other two searched for valuables. They began ransacking the house. William, the Smith's son, soon arrived at the family's home. He was unarmed and didn't put up a fight when confronted by the strangers. Then, at 5.15 p.m., Ralph Smith pulled into the carport. He saw the unfamiliar car in the driveway, but thought someone just happened to drop by for a visit. Ralph exited his vehicle and was immediately confronted by one of the intruders pointing a gun at him. Ralph was marched into the home, where he joined his wife and son. Ralph eventually convinced the escaped convicts that there weren't any more valuables in the home, but he did have some petty cash in a safe at his office on I Street downtown. Robert Frigier instructed Ralph to go to his car and drive them both to the office. As they were walking out the door, Froger turned to his accomplices and said, quote, If we're not back in 20 minutes, kill these two. Unquote. You may have noticed I've been messing around with the Notorious Bakersfield logo a bit. We're still working on it, making some final adjustments. But helping me in that process is Mike Neiman. For 25 plus years, Mike Neiman has worked hard in the world of graphic design for print media. He has grown his small studio by word of mouth to emerge as a premier graphic design studio in Bakersfield and beyond. With designs for Notorious Bakersfield, Taft City logo rebranding, social media influencers, businesses, and charities both locally and far away. 
Mike Neiman Graphic Design has built a reputation for caring for his customers and making sure they have the designs and print materials to stand out. Find him on Facebook at MN Graphic Design for all contact information and to see some of his graphic design solutions. Ralph Smith was forced at gunpoint to drive for Jay to the downtown office, open the safe, and removed approximately $450. They returned to the Smith's house where Sylvia Frigier had been busy packing suitcases with household effects and other personal properties of the Smiths. William Tudor obtained some adhesive tape and told Frigier, quote, We'll take them upstairs, tape them up, load the car, and do what has to be done. Unquote. This part of the story is where the Bakersfield Californians reporting doesn't match court records, so I'll use the version of events from the court records. At gunpoint, the Smith family was herded upstairs to a bedroom by the two male intruders. Sylvia Frigier stayed downstairs to continue collecting the loot. Ralph was ordered to the far side of the bedroom, away from his family. Pointing his gun at Ralph, Tudor ordered him to remove his shoes and lie on his stomach on the floor. As he leaned over to take off his shoes, Ralph Smith said to his son, quote, Billy, I've had enough. Let's go. Unquote. Ralph charged Tudor. Tudor fired a volley of shots from only a few feet away. Four struck Ralph. Ralph grabbed the assailant's gun hand and hit him in the face, knocking the gun to the floor. Smith picked up the gun, chased Tudor, and shot at him three times as he ran down the hallway, down the stairs, and disappeared around the corner. Ralph Smith managed to shoot the fleeing man at least once. Ralph ran back to the bedroom where his wife and son were struggling with Froger. William grabbed a pair of scissors and lunged at Froger, who shot at him. The bullet grazed William's cheek, and he ducked out of the bedroom and into the hallway. At some point during the melee, Edna Smith was also shot. Luckily, the bullet only caused a flesh wound to her upper arm. Ralph told his family he could handle Froger and for them to escape and call help. Ralph continued to struggle with Froger until the wounded man collapsed. Ralph suffered a total of four gunshot wounds, one to the chest, one to the right thigh, and two to the left thigh, and Froger practically bit off one of Ralph's thumbs. Froger then stood over the collapsed Ralph Smith pointed his gun at the wounded man and went to pull the trigger and nothing. The gun was either empty or jammed. Ralph Smith's awful day turned lucky. Froger then fled down the stairs, out the front door, and he stole a parked car that had the keys left in the ignition. He sped eastbound on Panorama, reaching speeds of 90 miles per hour. When he reached River Boulevard near Greenlawn Cemetery, he attempted a right-hand turn to go south, but he was going too fast and lost control. He crashed into a parked car, overturned, and came to rest next to a bicycle rack at the service station on the corner of Panorama and River. Froger was pinned inside the wreckage. While all that was happening, 
The two other intruders, William Tudor and Sylvia Froger, ran to the home of the Smith's neighbor, Joe Gannon, a fellow home builder. The two opened the unlocked front door and walked into the Gannon home. Joe Gannon's daughter-in-law was tending to her baby and was startled by the stranger's unwelcome presence in the home. Tudor said he'd been shot and needed help. The Gannon family called police and an ambulance. The assailants were vague about how the injuries occurred. While the group waited inside the Gannon home for help to arrive, they heard approaching sirens. To everyone's surprise, the ambulance and police passed right by the Gannon's home and never stopped. They were responding to the accident at the corner of Panorama and River. Joe Gannon's son loaded Tudor up and drove him to the hospital. It took police a while to figure out that everything, the call for help from the Smith home, the traffic accident at Panorama and River, and the call for help at the Gannon house were all related. Once everything was straightened out, all the intruders were arrested. Sylvia Froger was taken to jail. The other two who were injured, Robert Froger in the car accident and William Tudor by a bullet wound, were under police guard in the hospital. As for Ralph Smith, his injuries were serious, and for several days his condition was critical. But after being hospitalized for over a month, he was released and recovered. The other victims, Edna and William Smith, their wounds were minor, and they were treated and released the evening of the home invasion. Sylvia Ferger pleaded guilty to kidnapping. She was sentenced to life in prison, but with the possibility of parole. Both Robert Ferger and William Tudor pleaded guilty to the robbery charge, but innocent to the attempted murder and kidnapping charges. They were tried together in Kern County Superior Court. The jury convicted Robert Ferger of attempted murder and found Tudor innocent. But that same jury found both men guilty of kidnapping. They were sentenced to life in prison. But, as often as the case... Life in prison doesn't necessarily mean life in prison. I did some searching and discovered that there was a Robert Perry Frager convicted of two separate bank robberies in Sparks, Nevada in 1991. Is it the same Robert Perry Frager? I don't know for sure, but I'm going to guess it is. Frager also attempted to escape from custody numerous times. He and another inmate were convicted at least once of attempting to escape from prison. Through more research I have done, it appears Robert Perry Forget is alive and well and no longer incarcerated. To not stigmatize a property anymore, I usually don't disclose actual addresses related to the stories I cover. But since nobody died in this incident, I decided to include this address. If anybody knows who currently lives at the former home of Ralph Smith and his family, they might be interested in knowing this bit of the home's history. Resources used for this story are the Bakersfield Californian, CaseLaw.com, People vs. Ferger. And with that, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. We'll see you back here next Tuesday. Have a good week.